and welcome to Let's Talk Diz, a show that gives you everything you need to know to help make your Disney vacation as magical as can be in just about 20 minutes. I'm your host, Jeff Coviello. With me each week is Disney Master Sandy from Easy Diz by Instant Impressions Travel Services. Sandy, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing good. Today's episode is a fun one. It, it'll give a little bit of a juxtaposition of planning for folks. I know that every time that I talk to people about Disney World, they like to pick my brain because they know I do go a couple times a year. Uh, but we do have a lot of folks, and I'm sure you get plenty of them, that really struggle with the decision whether to stay on property or off property. And so you thought it was a great idea. I jumped right in. Tonight, we're going to break down the pros and cons between staying on property and staying off property. And you're right. We get that all the time. It's like we say so often, it's a personal decision. So I'm going to give you pros and cons for both because what might be a pro in your column might not in mine. So let's, I guess, start from the beginning. Like, how do you decide? What are you, what are you advising people when they come to you? What things do they say to you that helps make those decisions? We break it down into about eight different categories to look at, and it literally starts the minute you get to Orlando. We start with Magical Express. So having that free transportation from the airport to the hotel, and again, it's literally free. If you don't take it, you don't save any money off of your resort stay versus having to rent a car and navigate the highways, the tolls, and the price of the car. Also, in normal times, one of the features I love about Magical Express is the luggage delivery service. It allows you to skip the baggage carousel. They pick up your bags. They get magically delivered to your resort. And then the same on the other end. You can check them in at the resort and not see them till your final destination. So it saves you time. And if you're traveling with little ones, it's like an extra pair of hands with you. And it is important to note, as you said, in normal times, as as you know, we're recording this, you know, in October of 2020, where the world is a very different place than it was a year ago. Uh, hopefully in a year from now, it'll be very different from where it is now. But the Magical Express definitely uh, lends a hand to travelers. They, it eliminates what Disney likes to call travel friction. It prevents you from having to wait for certain things. They send you the tags you can put on your luggage before you even get to the airport in your, in your uh, spot where you begin your trip in your home. Uh, and then you pick them up after. So definitely an easy way to save some time and not have to think about some stuff. Uh, what's next? The meal plan. And you've heard me talk about it. I love the meal plan. And I love it for a lot of reasons. The number one reason that clients typically love it is that plan ahead budgeting. You know what your meals are in advance. I've said before, I'm a huge shopper. So by the end of the trip, I sometimes am not eating what I want because I'm trying to save money. I've overspent my budget. But the meal plan, you know what you've got up front. It's all prepaid. And the meal plan is an on-site benefit only. If you are not staying at a Walt Disney World Resort, a meal plan is just not an option. And as you know, if you go back and look at all of our different episodes, we did break down dining <laughs> very much in depth uh, throughout this entire process here. So you can kind of scroll through the remainder of those episodes and see really uh, where the dining episodes will, will work most likely for you. Um, but you can go all the way back to, I believe it was episode one, the Disney dining plan was where we broke that down. So you can check out our first episode and see how we broke that down. 
Um, and it, it, it's clearly a sign, Jeff. We like to talk <laughs> about food because Disney has incredible food. And that's where we started our podcast, talking about the food. We should have known at that point that it was going to lead to where to where it has led. Um, so you talked about saving money and things like that. So let, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Let's talk about payment. When you're staying on Disney property, it's going to be a $200 deposit for your package final payment 30 days prior cancel up until 30 days prior get all 200 dollars of your money back or cancel as late as the day prior to arrival and the penalty is only 200 dollars. when you're staying off site there's a couple of factors to look at the first is going to be your accommodations so hotels generally have more lenient payment plans they're usually a one night deposit and final payment at check-in but if you're doing a house, a timeshare, those things are generally all of your money up front. So preparing for that expense. And then the tickets. With your Disney package, you're paying for your tickets again at that 30-day mark. And if something happens and you have to cancel, you're able to give your tickets back as part of your package. No penalty there. When you're staying off-site, you're going to need to buy your tickets in advance for park and fast pass reservations. You're going to have to put out all of that money the day you buy it, typically at least 60 days out, sometimes as much as 180 days out. And park tickets, once purchased as standalone tickets, are non-refundable. So you cancel that vacation, you're out the money on these date-specific tickets. I think it's important to, to mention, too, because you had briefly kind of mentioned it there, when you're dealing with Disney and you're staying on property and you have to, God forbid, have a cancellation, you're dealing with one entity, right? But if you're, but if you're staying off property, like you said, timeshare, renting a condo, staying in, in one of the, the hotels that is in the area, it's another person of, or point of contact that you have that you may or may not have the same success with cancellation that you would if you were dealing with Disney. So I, I think... You can't really state that enough. It's another phone call, another email, another point of contact that does just add to a little bit of time when a situation arises where you may have to cancel. And another wait on a refund or hold on to that credit. You know, park tickets are a big part of your vacation. A family of four might have fifteen to $2,500 tied up in park tickets. Do you want to have that $2,500 tied up for a year till you can go again? Or with your Disney package, it's refundable. So big difference there. Very big difference. All right, you, you talked about park tickets. We just discussed it. <laughs> we always talk about dining. You had briefly mentioned FastPass. And if you navigate over to Episode 7, we talk all about FastPass. Talk to us about the differences between staying on property and the access you have to these things versus if you're staying off property and the access you have to some of these things. You bet. So there's two different elements to it. One is the when can I do it? And on-site guests are going to have an advantage on the one, on the when. And there's the how much can I do? So for on-site guests, typically dining reservations open 180 days out. And they do what we call 180 plus 10. So you can do your check-in day up to 10 nights. Currently, we're at 60 plus 10 because we're in that COVID time. But you can log on or in a case of somebody working with us, your agent does this for you and can do all 10 nights of your trip at the same time. 
not only is it convenient because you're only doing it one day, but your availability is great because you're doing one day. When you're an offsite guest, they don't know how long you're staying. So you have to get on the computer and do it every day at that window. So where, again, I'm making a week's worth of dining, an offsite person is making a week's worth of dining every day for seven days. By the time you get to that sixth day and that seventh day, everybody else has been reserving it who's staying on site. So yeah, you're still going to get Chef Mickey's for dinner. But you might not get 5.30 for dinner. You might only get 8 p.m. because the 5.30s were gone with all the people that had that 180-day plus 10 window. Same thing for Fast Pass. Fast Passes get reserved 60 days in advance for on-site guests for up to 10 days. Off-site guests can't reserve it till 30 days out and only one day at a time. And I hate to say it, but this is a definite time is money spot. There are certain rides, Flight of Passage, Slinky Dog Dash, those super popular rides, off-site guests by that 30-day mark are never going to get a fast pass for it. They're going to be sold out even though you don't pay extra for them. So if you want to do those rides, you're going to wait an hour and a half or two and a half hours because you couldn't get a fast pass. So this is the point in the show where I mentioned the thing that I mention every time. All of this depends upon what works for you. And that's why it's important to work with someone over at Easy Diz because they're going to help you figure out what works for you. For many years, my wife and I didn't have to make a dining reservation. It was the two of us. If a restaurant couldn't accommodate us, we went to the next one because there's a million options. But now we're a family of four. And it's a little bit more complicated to get to those dining reservations if we haven't made them we probably get shut out. So it's important to understand who you're traveling with, what your desires are for dining, for park hopping, for park visiting, for any kind of fast pass. The more information you can have at your disposal, the better decisions you can make. And that's why Easy Diz makes sense. And that's what I love about my job. I always say to potential clients, it's my job to tell you all your choices and what the advantages or disadvantages are to those choices. And ultimately, it's your job to pick which makes the most sense. You know your family best. If you're going with a two and a four-year-old, you're not doing any thrill rides. Maybe not getting fast passes for thrill rides doesn't really impact you. So that's why, as I said before, something that could be a huge factor for one family could be a non-factor for another. So here's what I think is definitely a factor. This next thing that we're going to talk about. When you're staying on property, there's a certain number of hours that are available to you that are not available to you if you're staying off property. So break that down for us. Extra magic hours. And as you said, they are for on-site guests only. A different park either opens one hour early each day or two to three hours later each night. And, you know, sometimes people say to me, oh, you know, I don't care. I'm not a morning person. I'd never get up that early. Well, you're right. But one of the other tips that we give people is first thing in the morning is really a prime ride time because the park just opened. The lines haven't had a chance to form. But if it's an extra magic morning and you get to the park the minute it opens for off-site guests, but on-site guests have already been in the park for an hour, guess what? You're not hopping right on your first ride because people are still standing in line for it. Also, 
especially I'm going to go back to parents with teens who don't like to get up early. Depending on the time of year, the extra magic hours are starting at 9, 10, 11. Even one time we were there, extra magic hours were midnight to 3 a.m. So if you're somebody who is a night owl, it's a great time to go, especially when you're there in a warmer weather season to have all those rides with shorter lines and cooler temperatures. The extra magic hours are a real win. It also affords you the opportunity to do what our family has really settled into doing, which is going early in the morning, coming back to the resort, or if you're off property, going back to maybe your accommodation for that middle of the day where it's the hottest, and then hitting those extra magic hours in the evening wherever they apply on that particular day. So again, like we always say, it depends upon who you're traveling with and what your plans are, but the extra, extra magic hours afford your group an opportunity to do things that you might not be able to do if you were staying off property. That is so true. All right. Let's talk about parking. Sometimes, I mean, we talked about the Magical Express, and that's a nice way to get to the resort if you're not going to have a car. But plenty of people visit Walt Disney World with cars. So let's talk about parking. We'll talk about parking, and I'm going to also talk a little bit first about off-site transportation and a Big question for those of you looking at staying off site that I highly recommend that you ask the hotel or wherever you're staying, because I have clients who are potential clients who will say to me all the time, you know, I'm looking at this off site and they told me they have a bus that runs. So I don't need a car. If I can get from the airport to there, I don't need a car for the week. And that's true. However, I always say, ask a couple of questions. The first is, where does that bus take you? And I know that sounds like a silly question, but I can tell you that any non-Disney buses can never take you right to the Magic Kingdom. They're going to take you to what we call the Transportation and Ticket Center. And from there, you're going to take a bus or a monorail. Some of the off-site transportations go to all three theme parks and the Transportation and Ticket Center. Some of the off-site hotels run one bus to the transportation and ticket center, and then you need to take a second mode of transportation to get to another park. They also don't run that transportation all day long, and there is one group of hotels that stops their transportation at seven o'clock at night. So while they have transportation, it's not gonna get you back after dinner and if you stay late in the park. So once you're gonna have to factor in paying for an Uber or something else, you didn't save the money you thought you were saving. The number one reason we hear for staying off-site is to save money. And I will tell you that generally it doesn't end up saving you money. It just changes when you spend it. I can't, but, I can't speak to the money, Sandy, but I can definitely speak to the time. I mean, if, you're, if your intention is to go to the Animal Kingdom and you have to go there via the Transportation and Ticket Center... No exaggeration, that could take you over an hour. I would say from the time you left your hotel to the time that you get to Animal Kingdom, if you have to stop at the Transportation Ticket Center, it's going to easily take you an hour and a half to two and a half. Because I always say, when you got to the lobby in your hotel, was the bus there and you were the last one on? Or were you waving goodbye and waiting half an hour for the next one? Then you're driving to the Transportation and Ticket Center and again, is the bus right there? Or are you waving goodbye and waiting for the next one? So it can be time consuming. 
Okay, so let's go back to the original question then about parking. So while Disney World does charge on-site guests a parking fee at your resort, and that varies based on the level of resort, but you don't pay for theme park parking. Off-site guests do pay for theme park parking, and it certainly adds up. You know, somebody going for a week is going to be looking at about $175 for a week of parking fees. And so, again, if you took the Magical Express when you stayed on property, you don't need a car. We've got episodes on transportation. The transportation around property is great. You'll save on all of those fees. Off-site guests have no choice but to pay to park at all the theme parks. We're talking about saving money. Let's talk about some discounts that are afforded to folks that maybe are staying on property that maybe some folks that are not wouldn't have access to. So my crystal ball is a little cracked this year. After all, it is 2020. Um, But we hear about promotions all the time and we get calls from people who are already booked off site and they'll call us and say, we just saw a commercial for a free meal plan. Can I buy that through you, even though it's free? Or we just saw a commercial buy a four-day park pass, get three days free. All of those commercials that you hear are only with a theme park package, with your resort stay package. So if you're staying off-site, you're not eligible for those. If you have tickets through Costco that you save $12 a person by buying them, so you booked your on-site hotel but bought your theme park tickets and saved the $12, now you lost out on all of those discounts because they require a package with tickets to get the discount. So there are great savings to be had, but you've got to meet all the requirements and have all those components. Okay. So listen, we've done a pretty heck of a job here explaining why staying on property is is beneficial in a lot of ways. We haven't really broken down the, the true benefit of staying offsite because tremendous amount of people do so. So What would you say are the the biggest benefits for staying off property? And and I think tremendous is the word. It's a tremendous amount of space. On-site hotels at the same price point can't compete with the space. Yes, we've talked about three-bedroom grand villas so that everybody has their own room and their own bathroom. But on-site, those come with a higher price point. You can definitely rent a house or a townhouse in a condo 20 or 30 minutes away where everybody has their own bedroom and you've got a full kitchen and a living room. You might even have a pool right on your patio. Off-site typically has the benefit of space. But again, I encourage everybody to think about, are you going to use that space? Yeah, it would be nice if we all had our own bedroom. But If we're leaving at 7.30 or 8 in the morning and getting back at 10 or 11 at night and all we're doing is sleeping, did we need all of that space? It's not like sitting home and everybody's working and you need that space. Typically, you're going to be in the park, so you've got the space, but did you need it? Some of you still may have questions. I'm going to put this out there tonight, but really it applies for anything that you may have questions on. If you do have questions, email us. Uh, podcast at letstalkdiz.com. That's podcast at letstalkdiz.com. We will go through them. If we have any questions that we think we can answer on a show, maybe it's an entire show topic, we'll do that. Um, but Sandy, is there anything else that you want to share with folks tonight about the benefits between on-site versus off-site? 
I'll give a little plug for myself and everybody in the travel industry. We're commissioned by Disney. If you work with us, you're going to get all those planning services that we talked about. Somebody to help guide you in your selections, make your dining reservations, make your fast passes. We're not commissioned by the house that you rent from somebody. So when you work with an agent and you stay off site, you're going to pay a planning fee. And so again, if you're staying off site to save money, but you offset it by paying the fee, it's not really a win. Sandy, thanks for taking the time tonight. Thanks, Jeff. And that's a wrap this week on Let's Talk Diz. If anyone you know could benefit from this or any show, please share, have them like, have them subscribe. And don't forget to reach out to the folks at Easy Diz by Instant Impressions Travel Services for any Disney destination planning. Make it a great week. And as always, keep making memories.